Brought to you by the Capital One Venture X Card. Earn unlimited 2X miles on everything you buy and turn everyday purchases into extraordinary trips. Plus, receive premium travel benefits like access to over 1,300 airport lounges and a $300 annual credit for bookings through Capital One Travel. Unlock a whole new world of travel with the Capital One Venture X Card. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. Lounge access is subject to change. See CapitalOne.com for details. Hey everyone, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new truck like a rugged half-ton Tundra, combining raw capability with premium comfort and advanced tech to fuel your wildest adventures. Or check out the fully redesigned Tacoma, delivering trail-dominating power and captivating style. The new Tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. Charles W. Chuck Bryant is seated across from me, sorting through papers, taking a last second look at the information. His sponge-like brain is absorbing. Ah. Like an, an absorbent <laughs> might soak up oil floating on top of the Gulf of Mexico. Did you plan that? No. Wow. I know. Yeah. I, I'm getting too good at You're this. Good. I'm like the uh, Robert Urich of podcasting. I'm just an old <laughs> pro by now. I think that's like the third or fourth time we've said Robert Urich in the show. Has it ever been recorded before? What? Robert Urich? mention of Robert Urich. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Recorded and released, my friend. This podcast is going to bum people out, especially if you have any heartness for the environment. Pelicans, sand, shrimp, plankton. shrimpers. Yeah, this the, we, local economies. We've been uh, we probably should have done this uh, weeks ago, but we took our time getting around to it because Josh was a being all Japanese. <laughs> so uh, oil spills. It's high time we tackle this. It's high tide or oil spill cleanup, rather. Yeah. Um, I actually wrote an article about it back in 2006. There was a spill in San Francisco Bay. And um, our boss was like, hey, go write something on this right now. And I was like, okay. So I wrote it. And um, I was happy to see that pretty much nothing's changed since the, then. In four years, the technology yeah. hasn't advanced. And we're actually using some really primitive techniques No still. kidding. But, Chuck, let's, let's first start by talking about how the Gulf um, – Oil spill started in the first place, right? We yeah. Got the, the deep water horizon, an oil rig in the Gulf of Mexico. Right? Yeah. Does this class, did they call this a spill? I guess they're calling it a spill, aren't they? I th- yeah. I think anytime it's introduced Oil and into water. yeah water, it's a spill. Because I generally don't even think it has to be water. I think anytime oh, really? oil gets out of whatever containment system is supposed to be holding it, it's a spill. So my old Plymouth Valiant that I had in Los Angeles. Oil spill. Oil spill. Yeah. <laughs> All over my driveway. Yeah, I'll bet. I got charged for that by my renter or by my uh, landlord. Did you really? Yeah. What like, look at all these oil spots. That's like 10 bucks a piece. That's a wear and tear. That's what I said. Huh. You know something cool I just thought of too? When you Google Earth my house, you could see my car in my driveway. My LA house. Really? And the oil spill. Can you really? Uh-huh. That's crazy. Anyway. You can also Google Earth the oil spill in the Gulf right now, as far as I know. Yeah, all those pictures that are coming out are just awful. Yeah, we sent out, um, you know, we have a Facebook page, yeah. Stuff You Should Know page, and we posted 
and tweeted on our Twitter account too mm-hmm. um, a link to this PBS blog that had a live feed video of the oil yeah. under the Gulf That's of Mexico. I think a depre- mile down, yeah. right? It was the most depressing thing I've ever seen in my it's life. It's just shooting out plumes of oil. Yeah. Uh-huh. And there's a really big discussion. Uh, anyway, the Deepwater Horizon exploded. The BP right. was capping a well mm-hmm. to come back and drill f- later because right. they wanted to go start another drill or another uh, well um, by March. And they were running behind. From what I understand, it's starting to emerge that there may have been something of a rush job right. in capping this well. Some um, gas built up in the in the well. Mm-hmm. It exploded in this pipe that went from the rig to the well cap. Right, uh, killed eleven people and um, sunk the the rig, burst the pipe in at least three places, and now we have these plumes that are. Plumes of oil that are being introduced into the Gulf of Mexico. Yeah. At first, they thought it was what a thousand barrels a day, right? Well, yeah, a thousand barrels a day. You know, BP's numbers aren't quite lining up with the yeah, numbers from the experts. No, and the government said, "Well, we're going to figure this ourselves, but we're going to use a an equation that is specifically recommended to not be used for calculating oil release right. underwater. Not recommended by oil oil companies, or not recommended by experts. Oh, okay. So they came up with five thousand barrels a day. Right. Some experts, like some people who know, mm-hmm. um, have said it's probably about four to five times that. Yeah. So what we're talking about is as much as 25,000 barrels, and there's 42 gallons in a barrel. Yeah. 25,000 barrels a day. If that's the case, then as of this podcast recording, the Gulf oil spill, the BP Gulf oil spill that's going on right now, has released the amount the Exxon Valdez dropped eight times over. Wow. Yeah. Well, they just actually on CNN just released like two hours ago. They, they're officially calling it the worst oil spill in U.S. history. In U.S. history. But it's not the worst ever, is it, Chuckers? No, I don't know if you have different info. But um, 1991 Persian Gulf War, 240 million gallons off the coast of Saudi Arabia. Is that what you got? Yeah. And right now we've got about 88 million at, if it's 25,000 barrels a day. We're at about 88 million. That's 240 million barrels or gallons. 240 million gallons. Yeah. That's enormous. I don't think we'll ever top that. Yeah, and the Valdez was uh, 11 million. 11 million gallons. Yeah, and the second worst spill also took place in the Gulf of Mexico, but it was off the coast of Mexico, right? Right. And that one was, I think, like 140 million gallons, something like that. I think so. Uh, 140 million gallons. It was the uh, Ishtok 1. Ich-tok. I know X in, in uh, Mexican dialect Aztec, maybe, is Wah. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> Something like that? Like Oaxaca? You're right. Yeah. Yeah. There's an X in there. Yeah. So it's the Ich-tok one. <laughs> Somebody will let us know, won't they? But yes. that took place from June of 1979 to February of 1980. It just kept going. And that was 140 million gallons, right? I got three more stats. Let's if, hear it. If we're doing... Stats and people are taking shots. Every one hundred, every year, one hundred million U.S. gallons of oil spill. Every year, yeah, is what they say. There's, there's stat number one. Um, the United States uses seven hundred and ten million gallons of oil per day, and in fact, every twenty-two minutes, Josh, the U.S. uses up what was spilled in the Exxon Valdez spill. Every twenty-two minutes. I know, isn't that weird? 
Oh, that's weird. It's disturbing. But that also accounts for why um, oil spills are so massive. It's actually kind of wondrous that more oil doesn't spill. Right. Apparently, the um, U.S. Coast Guard reported that after the Exxon Valdez accident, there was a lot of like tightening and restrictions. It was just such a very public accident. Right. And it happened in the U.S., so it mattered, you know? Right. Um, so all of a sudden, there's all this, these restrictions on um, tanker design. Like uh-huh. you need to have double hulls. Right. Um, and, and then other regulations that, that made restrictions tighter. And I think um, spillage dropped by like 58% between 1989 and 2004. Yeah, you know, Maddie uh, Frederick of Coolest Stuff on the Planet. Mm hmm. Have you ever seen his Facebook stuff? No. He's just like, you need a Facebook friend him personally. He's like the liberal crusader of all time. Oh, okay, yeah. It's like four times a day he sends out, I bet you didn't know this. Right. He but, gets uh, irate, doesn't oh, he? Oh, yeah. It's hilarious. He came by the other day and told me about a, um, basically every country in the world that does offshore uh, drilling has this process in place that um, when there's a situation like just happened, an implosion happens, is triggered immediately to implode and seal everything up at the source. And he said the U.S. is the only country that uh, recently, like several years ago, mm-hmm. said, oh, we don't need this because it costs a lot of money. Yeah. We're the only country. That's great. Pretty cool. Well, we're the only country with our um, minerals management service, which apparently uh, had, a, had a, has had a pretty cozy relationship with energy companies, right? Mm. Yeah, think about that though, Chuck. This oil spill in the Gulf, coupled with the the mine explosion in West Virginia, like those two accidents coming that close together, can actually completely change energy policy. Yeah, and it probably will for too. the better. Obviously, it's pretty interesting. Yeah. Um. All right. So, Chuck, let's say that you had just gotten your hair cut. I did, in fact. All right. Let's say you said, you know what, I want my hair to go to matter of trust because it's going to be used um, to clean up this oil spill, right? Remember, we got a bunch of emails about this. Like, you guys mentioned this, mentioned this, that if you send your hair to the Gulf, like, it will be used to clean up the oil spill. Uh, Is that hair being used? No, that was the initial uh, idea. And hair can be used, in fact. um, For smaller spills. For smaller spills. But they say, uh, I read in the New York Times today, they said that, there is not deemed feasible after a technical evaluation. No, BP's like, hey, um, that's a really good idea, but uh, we are actually going to use real sorbents, right? Real stuff, right? Um, like you said, hair can be used. It's used on a much smaller scale. Um, but the people, I guess, who have really kind of started this initiative, mm-hmm. I think it's Matter of Trust out of San Francisco. They said, oh yeah. Um, well, you asked for it initially, so we're going to send it to you, and it's up to you to figure out what to do with it. Are so they sent the hair anyway? All the hair is being sent to BP anyway. <laughs> They're rolling it in a big hairball from San Francisco. It's <laughs> right, like yeah. the size of a car. There you go. Um, so, Chuck, why would you use hair? Or a better a better question is, how would you use hair to clean up oil? Well, I guess hair would be a sorbent, right? I think so. So, basically, a sorbent is a, something that acts as a giant sponge. To, I mean, it's so primitive sounding, but it literally just soaks up the oil from the water, and it can do this because oil uh, sits about a, it forms a, a layer on top of water, especially salt water, about a millimeter thick. Isn't that right? Uh, sometimes a little more. It depends, especially at first. Right. Right. So it's thickest in the first couple hours, which is when you really want to get to it. Uh, if you get to it initially, you can contain it by uh, 
using these buoyant booms, and they float on the water, and there's a skirt that hangs down into the water, and it basically keeps it from spreading. Right. And so that's, that's like what you want to do. It's like an oil pen. Yeah. And then you come along with some skimmers that may use um, centripetal, which is not centrifugal. No. Centripetal force uh-huh. is uh, when you spin something, and it's the force that pulls you to the center. Right. So because uh, oil is is uh, lighter than water, it will be pulled more easily. Right. Or the water will be pulled more easily, one of the two. Uh, but it separates them. <laughs> you can also just scrape it up. And they also have uh, conveyor belt systems, oh, skimmers, really? where like you just basically like it just pulls the oil up right off of the water. Yeah. Right? You know what I didn't find in any of this is if they can, because they, they soak up this oil and put it in a containment tanker. Can they use this oil? Yes. Really? Uh-huh. You knew this. I did. Wow. I actually ran across it in research that um oh, really? they're they're yeah, they they when you soak it up uh-huh. and you use like say hair or some other kind of sorbent and you can use natural stuff like um uh pine bark. Yeah, banana fibers actually I don't know if they still use that, but that was one for a while. Right. So there is there are some naturally occurring materials that um will soak up oil more than it soaks up water, right? right. Um, but you can squeeze it out, and there's your oil. Because really, nothing's happened to it. It's, it hasn't had the chance to mix with water yet, right? You just literally like <laughs> they have a dude that's got an oily rag, and you just squeezed it into a little container and says, "Here's your oil." So that's you. That's your job. Um, you can also burn it. And actually, this is the most efficient means of taking care of an oil slick. Yeah, because it sits on top. You can burn it away, but that's clearly not a very good thing to do because when you burn oil, it creates some pretty uh, noxious fumes for the environment. It does. It's about um, 95 to 98% efficient, though. Um, Again, you want to do it away. It's called in-situ burning. You want to do it when the slick is away from... The shore. Uh, the shore. Yeah, yeah. From, say, coral mm-hmm. colonies, that kind of stuff. Right. If it's just out in the deep ocean, then and it's, it hasn't gotten to be uh, a big problem to where it has traveled toward civilization. Right. Then you can just burn it, right? Yeah. The other weird thing I thought that you pointed out, not weird, but I found it odd, was that sometimes they'll, if it's far enough out, they'll just leave it alone. Yeah. And oil eventually will evaporate because the sun and the waves and the weather... And they'll just say, let the earth take care of it. Right. The wave action. Uh, I can't remember what it's called when sunlight breaks something. A photo degradation, maybe? Maybe. Um, but you remember when we did the Great Pacific Garbage Patch? Yeah, yeah. We were talking about how like the wave action and the sun breaks down plastic even into right. little globules. Oh, yeah. Same thing happens to um, oil because plastic is petroleum-based, right? Right. Uh, you can also hasten the breakdown by... Adding microbes to it, right? Yeah, the the biological agents. Yeah, yeah. That's when, um, like, a fertilizer or phosphorus and nitrogen, you'll spread it all over it, and it'll actually foster the growth of microorganisms, and that'll help break it down into fatty acids. Right. Um, and CO two, I think. Right. Yes. Yes. Um, you can actually uh, foster the growth of these microbes by adding uh, what'd you say? Phosphorus and nitrogen. Right, and when you when you do add these things, there's a there's a danger of actually it going out to the open ocean and creating an algae bloom, which creates a dead zone, which is not good. So you, if you're going to use um, phosphorus and nitrogen to hasten the growth of um, microbes, uh-huh. you want to do it in like a marshland that's outside of the tidal movement. Uh, gotcha. Yeah. 
Well, there's also dispersants. You've probably heard this on the news a lot um, mm-hmm. with, the, with the BP accident. And um, in tropical areas, they handle, they handle it with dispersants. And these are chemicals that break the oil down into um, – it basically breaks the oil slick apart into little oil droplets – which can be absorbed into the aquatic system quickly. Right, but this is not necessarily the best. No. no. Um, it turns out in 2007, uh, an Israeli study found that the combination of chemical dispersants and um, partially broken down oil is actually more harmful to uh, a coral ecosystem right. than just crude oil itself. Yeah, it actually didn't the EPA get on BP and say, wait a minute, this dispersant you're using, you can't use. Go find another one, like, now. Uh, probably. I could see that. I think that happened. I think everybody's taking a shot at BP so far. <laughs> yeah, seriously. They're, they're kind of gentle as a lamb right now. Yeah. But, Chuck, that, that study, that Israeli study, kind of reveals something that's easy to forget because it's so gross looking, but oil is natural. It's a naturally occurring substance. Yeah, true. Right? Uh, one of the big problems with it is when it becomes broken down, uh, it can be. It enters the the um, food cycle. Yeah, the food chain. In this, it, it equals the seafood chain. All right. Right. Which enters our food chain because we eat seafood. Yeah. Which is why the shrimpers are out of business right now. Yeah. Um, and it also uh, becomes. It can adhere to sand, right. pebbles, that kind of stuff, and through wave action, turns into little tar balls. Right. That are like. Are, they're they're solid on the outside, but they're like soft and gooey in the middle. Yeah, and things like to eat them and choke on them and, and die. And they sink. Right. They said, though, I mean, they said, you said, you're the one that wrote it. <laughs> you said that they're not as dangerous sometimes to the environment as a flat-out oil problem, but it's still not great, obviously. Right, because they're broken up and right. they're separated rather than, you know, this big, huge slick. But right. You know, if a fish is eating a tar ball and dies, and it's not good. Same with like a pelican or a bird. And then the other problem with an oil slick uh, for wildlife is that it gets on, it 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 breaks down the water resistance of um, mammal fur, right, and birds, aquatic birds, which are feathers. end up getting gooped up with this stuff, right. So they, beavers and sea otters and pelicans, and, and they get soaked, or they poison themselves by trying to lick themselves clean. I can't look at those pictures. This picture? Yeah. Notice I didn't print that out? (laughs) I can't even... I just can't even go there. Heartbreaking. Um, There is also the beach cleanup, right? So we talked about marsh cleanup. You can can add nitrogen and phosphorus and bioremediate it, right? Right. Um, But you also have beaches. You got tar balls on beaches. You have pelicans walking around like why me you know right um and you have to clean up this beach and apparently on prince william sound yeah that was the where the valdez built in alaska yes uh they said you know what we want to make the beach look clean again so we're going to use high pressure hoses like spray everything off that doesn't really do anything it pushes the oil down and actually screws things up worse pushes it into the sand Uh uh-huh yeah um, but the beach looks clean at least. Right. Uh, and, and they've been doing that. Um, they did that in Alaska and I don't know if they have plans to do it in Louisiana or not, but it's going to be bad yeah. either way. Uh, the other thing you pointed out, which I thought was interesting, cause I, I had this thought too, that all this, just the cleanup act itself would probably be really bad for the wildlife. And you said that they use, um, sort of like scarecrows and dummies and, um, balloons to scare off animals that are near these boats that are trying to contain and clean up. Yeah. 
like, get out of here. We're coming through to try and help. Yeah. And again, another, uh, when you mentioned just leaving it, that, that that's a viable option. Right. One of the reasons why is because within about 24 to 48 hours, most of the volatile organic compounds found in oil, the most toxic stuff, yeah. evaporates. Yeah, true. So when you have an oil spill, it loses its most toxicity within two days. Which the, is good. The, it is good. But the problem is with a spill like we have now, any oil that's losing its most toxic aspects are being replaced by new oil constantly. Right. So we we it's a big problem that's yeah. going on right now. I mean, you can just look at the underwater camera feed and tell it's a big problem. But you know, once you have a few more of the facts, it's a really big problem. Yeah, I was uh, actually today is Thursday, May what twenty eighth, twenty seventh, twenty seventh, and. I was, I've been clicking literally by the minute to see if this top kill thing is worth, the BP's latest effort to stop this five week old underwater geyser is working. And initial reports, I mean, this will clearly be known by Tuesday when this comes out, but sure. they're saying, oh, we think it might be working. Um, even though our, like, shooting mud and cement down in there is, sounds sort of weird, it, it might be working. Yeah. And our big, uh, big uh, thing that we lowered down on top, the top of it. hat? Yeah, that didn't work too good, and uh, the idea to shoot golf balls into it didn't work too good. Yeah. So, um, they didn't what even speak that, properly. What was that, the junk shot? They don't even say work too well. Work they said too, work too good. good. Working good. <laughs> yeah, the what top shot? Junk shot. Top kill, junk shot. Top hat. Top hat. Top kill, junk shot. Big mess. Yeah, that's what it equals, buddy. Yeah. Uh, if you want to know more about uh, cleaning up oil spills, you can read my article um, on it, right? Yes. There's also articles on offshore drilling and oil spills, not just cleanup. Right. So um, we should probably cover those at some point, too. So just type in oil, spill, drilling, offshore. offshore. There you go. <laughs> uh, in the handy search bar at HowStuffWorks.com, right? Right. And since I had said handy search bar, it seems like that should trigger something. It would normally trigger listener mail, Josh. What, what What's going on? Well, this there? week we have a couple of thank yous quickly, and then our New York announcements, uh, so everyone knows where, where to meet up in New York. Gotcha. Um, quickly, though, I want to thank uh, SteveClayton.com. They do custom guitar picks. Brian, there's a fan of the show. He wrote in and said, dude, you're in a band, your old man band cover band, El Cheapo. Mm-hmm. You should, uh, do you want some custom guitar picks? You can design it. And I was like, uh, yeah, let me think about that for a second. Yes. So I designed my little El Cheapo guitar pick. And they're pretty cool. It's way cool. And he sent me a huge bag of these things. And so I just wanted to say thank you to steveclayton.com. And they're like big time. They do like the Foo Fighters and Tenacious D. Oh, yeah? And now El Cheapo is on their roster. That's really sweet. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Are you on the website? Is your design on the website? Because I saw it and it was very cool. No, it, it, it is actually going to be on the website at some point. Okay. So thanks to Brian, and thank you to uh, Jacob Storm Deathridge, who uh, they do these cool journals um, made from old library books. So, like, they'll take the front and back cover of an old library book and bind it mm-hmm. with some of the the first few pages, and then the rest of it is blank, you yeah. know, journal style. Yeah. And they sent us some of these, and that was really nice. And they're at uh, www.bookjournals.com out of Portland, Oregon. Super creative. Yeah. Very cool. Thank you to both of those guys, right? Well, thanks to one from me. Thanks to two from Chuck. Yes. Yeah. And Chuck, right? Yeah. Yeah? New York City. 
look out. New York City. We're coming to New York uh, June 7th. We are having a happy hour at the Knitting Factory. Yeah. We'll be wearing nothing but chaps. From 5.30 to 7.30. Uh-huh. After that, we're going to put on our shirts and everything. Yeah. And uh, we are having a trivia night, a bar trivia night at the Bell House in Brooklyn. Yeah. On Wednesday, June 9th. Doors open at 6.30. Come and rub elbows. Trivia goes from 7 to 9. Mm-hmm. You can challenge the all-star team consisting of me and Josh, Joe Randazzo, editor of the Onion newspaper, yeah, and two or three unannounced mystery celebrity guests that will be on our team. Unannounced and uncommitted. <laughs> <laughs> so the idea is you come and you challenge us if you think you're smart. You get a trivia team together for Wednesday night, and we will smack you down in the name of uh, smarts and how stuff works. And our egos. Yes. Yes. <laughs> So there's all that. Um, and then the, the uh, co-ed plug. Oh, yeah. Go ahead and hit that one. Uh, well, as you may have heard, if you listen to the Guatemala podcast, part uno and part dos, um, we are raising some money, as we do from time to time, for noble causes like co-ed cooperative for education, which provides textbooks mm-hmm. and uh, computer centers in yeah. a very sustainable manner very cool. to uh, schools in need in Guatemala, which you could just say schools in Guatemala. Yeah. Um, and you can donate five bucks by typing stuff when you send a text to 20222. Yep. You're going to get a text back asking you if you're sure. You text back yes, and you just donated five bucks to Coed. If you want to learn more about Coed or you live outside of the United States, you can go onto their website at www.coeduc. That's C-O-E-D-U-C dot org. If you live outside the U.S., you can donate there. If you live inside the U.S. but you need a little more um, uh, incentive, go look at their website and see the work they do, and I'll bet you still donate the five bucks afterward. Agreed. Yeah. And uh, if you want to send us an email, shoot it to stuffpodcast at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. Want more How Stuff Works? Check out our blogs on the howstuffworks.com homepage. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zikazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Videos moderated by real people who review content before it's posted to the feed. I love the dance challenges. I love that it's Kids Safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids. <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. You know, in today's world, it seems the best treatment is reserved only for a few. Well, Discover wants to change that by making everyone feel special. That's why, with your Discover card, you'll have access to 24-7 live customer service as well as $0 fraud liability, which means you're never held responsible for unauthorized purchases. Finally, no matter who you are or where you are in life, you'll feel special with Discover. Learn more at discover.com slash credit card. Limitations apply.